0: Welcome to the No Picks After Dark Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Dante. Today, we have a very, very special guest from Baltimore, Maryland. And um, I've been trying to get this young man on here for the longest time on this podcast. And uh, he's well known in the Baltimore political arena, Baltimore City. I mean, you can go anywhere and everybody knows this man. And I really appreciate him taking time out of his busy schedule to come in and sit down with no pics of the dark podcast and chat with me. Mr. Andy, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Aaron.
1: Thank you very much. Uh, looking forward to this and I'm uh, glad we can finally get it done.
0: Yeah, we've been this has been in the making for probably about 6 months.
1: Yeah, 6 months we started talking about it. We met at one of those happy hours and um, have been trying to get it to go since then and now is a good time it seems like over the break.
0: And I uh, just give everybody a little quick background. Um Andy, um how many young lady by Jen is a Jen? Yeah. They um, started a little fun happy hour for the neighbors in the community. And it was really nice to get the meet and greet. And they really brought me in. It was very nice. You know, open arms. Andy was one of the first people that came up to me and introduced himself to the happy hour. And I just it was just none but love. So I appreciate you doing that.
1: Yeah, glad that we got to meet through that and glad I got to find out about your podcast and now that I get to be on, so.
0: Hey, it's, it's all good. I'm glad. This is going to be for 2020 is even better. So, yep. I'm uh, one thing I told everybody in 2020, I wanted to expand my horizons and I wanted to not interview people I've known forever, but people I've known recently and their interesting stories they bring in light. So, I appreciate you coming in. So, how long have you lived in this area? You live Walterson, Loravelle area.
1: Yeah, so... uh I moved to Baltimore in 2005 and I lived uh, a bunch of places moving every two years or so um, until about 2014 when I moved to Walterson um, and I've lived there um, since then uh, longest I've lived in one place that I can remember um, it was my wife's house when I moved in and um, you know now we live there uh, in Northeast Baltimore and Walterson we raise chickens we grow food and um, you know it's it's a nice slice of Northeast Baltimore.
0: Nice, nice, and you know one of the reasons why I really wanted to have you on because I just wanted people to get a little bit about you. Mm-hmm. Um, where are you originally from? Like, where original, and just a little bit of your background because we want to talk about Andy now. But we'll, let's get give you a little background about you.
1: Yeah, sure. So uh, I grew up in. Um, it, until high school, I lived in northern Virginia, uh, and then I moved to Frederick where um, uh, I, went, I graduated high school. I went to college at St. Mary's and at Towson, and then I spent about 10 years coaching college debate uh, and going all around the country. So I got to go to upstate New York, I got to go to Vermont, I got to go to Wyoming, and I got to go to Long Beach, California before I came back here uh, in order to work in Baltimore.
0: Now that's a beautiful thing because it's funny. I was one of the questions that I had, and just give you a back, give you a background of what you do now as far as business wise. So uh, I'm
1: the I'm the co-chair of the state of the Maryland Green Party. Uh, That's my volunteer job. Um, My my full-time job. I'm a data analyst for a market research company, and uh, I build uh, models and projections of things like that. Uh, You know. data products for uh, folks to figure out how productivity can work. But that's not what... That, uh, that's, yeah, We're not here for that. Yeah, yeah.
0: We're, but We're here for the Green Party.
1: Yeah, so the, that's my day job. My, my other job, my free job, is uh, the co-chair of the Maryland Green Party. Uh, and I started out as the co-chair of the Baltimore City Green Party. Uh, and then in June of 2018... No, 2019, June of this year, I became the co-chair of the state party. Um, and so... My job is to coordinate the Green Party activities throughout the state, help the Green Party grow, and make sure that we're on as many ballots and get as many votes as possible uh, in elections across the state.
0: That's a beautiful thing. So let's rewind it back a little bit. Were your parents into politics growing up? I mean, were you growing up a political family?
1: Absolutely, Uh, my family would, Watch Mcneil lair news hour wow. um, over dinner, because my mom was a press secretary for a United States Senator, and my dad was um a public relations person that did a lot of government relations Wow, and my dad was um a strong Republican, my mom was a strong Democrat, and we had a lot of debates and discussions over the dinner table about the about news and about issues of the day
0: so opposites did attract in this part then huh opposites attract a Republican in the yep. okay okay so. I guess what subjects in high school, college? You say you did debate. So, did that interest you? Is that were you a poly major or?
1: Yeah, I mean, in in high school, I was probably poli sci in history mostly. I think in college, uh, regretfully, I was probably a debate major. Um, like you know, many people who play sports are focused on that thing and uh, at the expense of the of the other subjects. So uh, if I had one thing to do differently, I'd go back to college and I'd make sure that I actually focused on the studies as much as I did on the competition. But uh, yeah, I was on the Towson debate team uh, and really appreciated that, really enjoyed that.
0: Wow. So um, what debate do you, can you remember? Were you, so were, were you, um, what party were you with at that time in college? Were you, Because I feel like the Green Party was they were around, but they weren't really around as far as I remember. I remember Ralph Nader. (laughs) That's that's the first person I remember from the Green
1: Party. Sure. So 96 was um, the one election that I voted in when I was in college. Um, And I voted for Bill Clinton that time. Uh, I don't think I was an avid Democrat. I don't think that I was uh, into electoral politics as a means of making change. Um, I, you know, and so I guess I was registered a Democrat then and I voted Democrat, but uh, I wasn't actively into politics in college. And then after that, um, I think while I was coaching college debate, I voted for Greens every time I could, 2000, 2008, um, 2012, 2016, you know, that was later. But uh, Bill Clinton was the last Democrat presidential candidate I voted for, and I was a, a sophomore in college at the time.
0: Wow, that's he. I just learned that. a has been a go, Okay, so Ralph Nader was he was he one of the heads of the Greens once upon a time? And yep. I know he ran twice under the under the Green Party, correct? So in two thousand, he ran
1: as a Green Party candidate okay. and had uh, by far the election to put the Green Party on the map around the country as an alternative. Uh, and I was in I was in California at the time, uh, and I wasn't thrilled with Gore. I wasn't thrilled with um, Bush. And I thought that Ralph Nader uh, spoke to the issues that I cared about, which were people left behind in a system that wasn't designed to serve most people. Um, and so I definitely was ha- happy to vote for Ralph Nader. I would have done it again. Um, in 2004, I didn't have the chance. I lived in Wyoming and there wasn't, you know, it wasn't in the ballot that I remember. But in 2000, Ralph Nader, I think really spoke to America's desire to get out of this two party system and showed people a compassionate politics that was about people instead of power and money. And I think that um I think that started the Green Party for a lot of people um and put the put the Green Party on the map.
0: So now this is a lazy argument, I will tell you, and I remember people saying this and the media said this. A lot of people say Ralph Nader hurt Al Gore's, Al Gore's uh, chance of becoming president of the United States. And that's a lazy argument, but your thoughts on that?
1: I mean, I think Al Gore hurt Al Gore's chance of becoming president <laughs> of the United States. He did a lot of things in that election uh, that were both arrogant and uninformed. And um, he also created space for uh, Ralph Nader to make arguments that persuaded people to vote for them. I don't really think anybody's entitled to votes, uh, and if... If, um, if Al Gore gave up votes to Ralph Nader, that's not Ralph Nader's fault. Uh, that's Al Gore's fault for losing them, not Al Gore's fault for winning, or I'm sorry, Ralph Nader's fault for winning them.
0: Okay, so what is the Green Party? I mean, I'm, I, I, I this is what you and I have spoken about so many times. Um, when I was in college, uh, 99 to 03, I remember hearing about the Green Party, and my perception was more so of these are guys are all about the nature, you know, tree huggers. These guys don't really understand, you know, they're free willy and things. The misconceptions back in when I was in college. All right. What would you say to me now? So
1: certainly the Green Party is about ecological wisdom and we want to make sure that we have a planet that uh, lasts and that is sustainable for generations to go forward. So it's not wrong to think that we're about ecology, but we're also about social justice. Uh, we're a party that believes in reparations. We're a party that has long believed um, in decarceration. Uh, we're a party that is about grassroots democracy. We want to get the money out of politics and we want to make sure that each person has a vote that's as important as each of the corporations who can donate or buy their way into election and finally, we're about nonviolence and peace. One of the biggest things that we think is an impediment to an ecologically just society is a war budget that, has, that spends so much of, of the money that we all pay in taxes uh, fighting wars across the world and putting bases in the United States across the world. So like, if you take those four things together, you have a party built on movements that came out of the 60s, 70s, and 80s um, and didn't have an electoral expression. So if you look at the sort of democracy movements, the civil rights movements, the anti-war movements, and the ecology movements, by the beginning of the 2000s, they had coalesced into what was an electoral party that could be the expression of those four movements.
0: Okay, okay, I like hearing that. So, and I've researched a little bit about it, and you guys had won some elections out in California, from Mm -hmm. my, from my knowledge. Yep. And now I could be right or wrong, Congress, and if we haven't, done, haven't crossed that bridge yet as far as Congress or Senate.
1: Nobody in Congress, nobody in Senate, nobody in federal elected office. Okay. Um, and, you know, I mean, I think that there are the places where Greens win are places where um, usually it starts lower down on the ballot. It starts in towns, uh, it starts in smaller towns, it starts on boards and commissions and things like that. And I think that the goal has to be uh, the goal has to be to start there to build a local power to make sure that people understand that they have choices before starting at the presidential race and I think one of the big misconceptions is that greens only run once every four years in presidential elections uh, the reality is there's greens running across the country all over the time or all the time and in Maryland last year there was 25, 26. Greens running across the state for different elected offices in the 2018 election. And, you know, most of our work is not about presidential elections. It's not about Congress. It's not about Senate. It's about town council. It's about city council. It's about state delegate and things like that. And that's really where we believe that the change needs to start uh, because, It's a lot of money and a lot of power to change what's going on in Congress, but it's a lot of people and a lot of energy and a lot of love to change what's going on in your city.
0: So what would you say to the people out there who are saying, you know, I don't like anybody out here right now. I mean, I don't like red. I don't like blue. There's nobody talking to me. Um, The local elections, like you're saying, they're very, very important. How do... You, as the Greens, get people involved and people who are say feel like they're isolated, they're lost. That these two, these two big parties are not talking to them.
1: So for me, I think the first part is listening to people. Uh, you know, and a lot of that is going door to door and talking to the people who the Democrats and the Republicans don't talk to. So when I ran for state delegate in 2018. I focused. On, I didn't focus on the people who were the super voters who voted in every election. I've focused on the people who voted sometimes, not all the time. And I would knock on the door, ask them what their issues were, ask them what they cared about. And I think that uh, I think that any building of a political movement has to listen to what it is that people aren't satisfied with now, um, and then offer answers and see if those are answers that are sufficient for those folks. And so. Uh, to me, that's the answer. Show up and listen uh, is the first step. And then once we know that and once we know what people's concerns are, offering transformative solutions that allow them to see a better world and allow them to see them living in that better world.
0: So if I was, um, if I'm, I'm, I'm a voter for coming up. This is a big year 2020 uh, mm-hmm. all across the board. Uh, getting more local for Baltimore for the Baltimore audience. I mean, maybe all across the country is big for local and whatnot. Why is local so important though? Can we, like, I mean, because I mean, we all, I, I view, I'd rather participate in my local election mm-hmm. than in your national. I mean, and I'll do both, but I think local is more important because those are the things that affect your everyday living.
1: Exactly. And go ahead. You know, and I mean, I think the things that affect most people in Baltimore right now, um, crime, taxes, education, the lived environment that we live in, the lead in the ground, um, you know, those are things that aren't going, that it would be very, very difficult to mobilize to get changed through Washington. Um, but over the course of Uh, period of say you know like during the 2020s we could solve a lot of those things in Baltimore if we had a concerted effort to focus on them and to get the people who have been told that they're powerless uh, to know that they actually have the power to change those things
0: yeah I don't have these numbers in front of me but as I recall the last election was not that a lot of people didn't come out for the last Baltimore election the
1: 2016 election that's correct So it's hard to know, because 2016 was the first year that we had Baltimore City elections on a presidential year. Okay. Uh, Previously, we had had them... The previous election was in 2011. So a lot more people were coming out just because they're voting for president. Um, So certainly way more voted in 2016 than voted in 2011, uh, but still lower turnout than would indicate that people feel like they have a say in their government.
0: Okay, so I guess where would one go to, if they wanted to check out the Green Party and say like, maybe could this be for me? I mean, how would, I mean, I'm looking at the population of you know African Americans, where do I fit in there? As mm-hmm. far as if I want, are you talking to the things that I'm looking for, um, values, education, things that nature?
1: yeah so i mean the easiest answer to where to go to learn more about what the policies and values are is the national party's website gp.org um is has a good list of what the policy beliefs are has a good list of the values uh, also has a good a good documenting of the his the history of the party now, I mean, and, and so I think that that is a way that people can learn what it is that we believe in and how, how it goes beyond just ecology, but how ecology matters into that. And you know for me, I learned a lot. Uh, I think ecology is a good place to start about how to speak to people where they are. Because uh, in, in 2018, I was campaigning in East Baltimore uh, for a state delegate, and I found that people weren't people in East Baltimore, while they were concerned about the climate up there and in the sky and out there in the mountains, they also were worried about the lead in their ground, they were worried about their water being clean, they were worried about whether they had air conditioning on those hot nights in the summer where you know in or if their grandma had air conditioning on those hot nights in the summer. And so I think that the the way to make sure that these speak to people where speak to people where they are is again to go back and listen to folks, talk to them about what their issues are and understand how the values of nonviolence, ecological wisdom, democracy and, and and social justice speak to the lived conditions of people right here in Baltimore. Um, and you know, not making it too complicated, not making it something theoretical about national politics, but saying right here, right now, are the people who you've elected solving the problems that you have.
0: So what is your stance? I mean, we've had a record year murders in baltimore maryland um just for the listeners from all 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 over the united states and the world we've had some issues here Mm -hmm. uh, with terrible crime and what is the green party stance or have you guys came out with any points uh coming up for this election just to give people an option out here for violence be any to solve things out here going forward
1: Yep. So um, the party's currently working on a policy for this, so I speak for myself when I say this. Uh, But to me, uh, it requires two things at one time. It requires both addressing the immediate need um, to stop violent crime, and it also uh, requires addressing the root causes that cause people to turn to crime in the first place. Uh, So one of the things that I think uh, that I learned from a lot of people when I was campaigning, is that witness protection is scary in this city. And people don't want to talk to police if they saw a murder, because they're not afraid, they're they're not sure that they're going to be protected. So one thing that I think that we can do immediately to address uh, the crime that is going on, is investing in Witness protection that is independent of the police and independent of the state's attorney so that people who do see a crime can feel like they can actually talk about it. Then I think that we need to get rid of the bad cops who are enabling the people who are doing the killing to continue doing that. I don't think all cops are bad, but I think there are bad cops in Baltimore City and those cops have lost the trust of the communities that they're policing in and people are afraid to talk to them because they don't know whether they have better connections with the criminals than they do with the community.
0: Wow, and uh, just to give a little tidbit on that, um, we had a huge uh, scandal that was probably about a year ago with the GTTF, mm-hmm. and there was a group of, uh, they were basically a gang, pretty much, yep. a police uh, police gang who were stealing drugs from drug dealers and reselling them back mm-hmm. on the street for other drug dealers, or for the, the Bonds guy, wherever they were doing selling yeah. drugs. And it was pretty, pretty rough. So I, the communication, the trust with citizens right now is, not not good. Not good at relationship right
1: now. Yeah, and you know one of the things that I learned when door knocking in neighborhoods in East and Northeast Baltimore last year was that you know taxpaying, hardworking citizens are afraid of, as as afraid of the police sometimes in their neighborhood as they are of the of the people that are committing the crimes, and that it can't work that way. It can't work when people don't have trust in the police, and the trust don't have in the, and the and the police don't have trust in the people. Like, And that needs to be rebuilt uh, in the short term before any of the long-term solutions can work. Now, we need the long-term solutions. We need to have jobs for young people, we need to have jobs for returning citizens, we need to have businesses in the community, we need to have re-entry be a meaningful process, and we need to decriminalize poverty so we're not sending people to jail for being poor, for doing things like driving to work uh, what may be on a suspended license because they couldn't pay for their insurance. You know, So there's a, there's a whole bunch of things that we can do, but we can't, we can't police our way out of the problem, and we can't root cause our way out of the problem. We have to have a holistic approach.
0: So this is an off-the-cuff question, and it's been in the news lately. Um, just for the audience to you know, we, uh, Baltimore will be the first city in America to, be, to have spy planes mm-hmm. um, flying over the, the city of Baltimore. Again, we will have spy planes, and it's funded by a couple from Houston, Texas. And what are your thoughts on that?
1: I think that if there was if there was good reason to believe that the spy planes would stop uh, stop violent crime, that it might be worth considering. But we tried this before. There was a test of it that ran from twenty fifteen uh, for a couple for a couple of years, and it didn't do anything to stop the it didn't do anything to stop the crime. It didn't lead to any convictions, and it didn't hold the police accountable. So I think that we have to think now: uh, it, why is this? wealthy family willing to gift the city of Baltimore these planes and what do they get out of it? Uh, And my guess is what they get out of it is the ability to gift these planes to St. Louis and Memphis and Detroit and Newark and a whole bunch of other majority black cities uh, that the rest of the country is afraid of. And then once that gift rolls out to sell it to the taxpayers in that city, as something that we have to pick up the bill on. So... Interesting. Like, ultimately what I think is that we should do what we can to stop crime, but we should use evidence-based approaches that work, not... Let billionaires try to use us as a test for things because for too long, Baltimore has been the testing ground um, for everybody else. Uh, and, you know, Hopkins has done a lot of tests here. Uh, other people, you know, from Henrietta O. X. to the spy plane is not that far of a chain.
0: So, just to pivot real quick on a couple of things, um, I know some things that are near and dear um, that I hear from a lot of people in Baltimore is that they're building Harbor East up. They're building all these places downtown Baltimore. Uh, if you look, if you drive around the city, you have speeding cameras in majority neighborhood communities. Not in Federal Hill. Not in uh, the beloved Canton, mm-hmm. or you know, or um, Fellows Point. And just for folks who are from out of town, listen to this. These are all downtown downtown areas, um, up up in coming areas, I guess, affluent and. Um, What are your thoughts on that? Just not reinvesting, putting the money back into the community up here, like Northeast or Northwest Baltimore? I know where that's, I know money, but, you know, these are people who are hard earned paying taxes here and they've been here forever and they're the backbone of the city.
1: So let's talk about the first part of this first, which is that we need to stop giving tax breaks to rich people in order to build homes for rich people in this city because that's never been what this city is about. This has been a working class city that has uh, empowered. A lot of a working class city that has allowed people to make a good life um, without having to be a billionaire to start having to be a millionaire to start. And when we give our tax dollars away, when we give the hardworking people's tax dollars away to build condos on the coast, um, that doesn't do anybody any good. We need to redirect that money toward the communities and we need to. Stop playing games with our tax base. All of us pay too much money as it is in taxes. And part of the reason is because we're giving that tax money away to people who then don't have to pay taxes. Uh, that has to stop. Amazon. <laughs> Amazon, yeah. Uh, Amazon, you know, any th- most of the stuff around the water has gotten there because of a tax break. And we need to stop giving those tax breaks to people. And if there's going to be tax breaks for anybody, it should be for folks like you and I who are homeowners and are trying to make the city good, not for billionaires who are trying to extract the wealth out of the city in order to Pay their shareholders.
0: So, will we possibly hear this in the Green Party coming up? Yes. Yeah. See how I'm tying this back in.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, we believe in put, fundamentally. We believe in putting people over profit, uh, and we think that that means investing in a neighborhood rec center or a neighborhood library before you invest in condos for wealthy people on the water. You know nice. and. I, I don't have a problem with wealthy people who want to live on the water, but they should pay for it, and the corporations that are building those condos should pay taxes.
0: Well, it's kind of like the big incident we had in Baltimore recently with the Ritz-Carlton. The Ritz-Carlton hasn't paid a water bill in how many years? 10 to 15 years? Yeah. And that's right on the waterfront. Yeah. But if you and I didn't pay our water bill, we'd be evicted yeah. right away. They so, take our houses. Correct.
1: Right? And, you know, and it's... Uh, the inequity, the inequity in Baltimore, it's not that we're a poor city, it's that we're a city that has been robbed over and over again by, corporate, or by tax dodging corporate leaders and by aflo- or aloof politicians uh, that think that the way to make things better is by hooking up their wealthy donor friends. And we just need to stop doing that and make sure that the wealth and the power that is generated in the city is distributed to each of the neighborhoods and not simply concentrated downtown.
0: Will you guys have a candidate going for mayor this year.
1: So we will definitely have. Uh, well, I can't say definitely. Uh, we will likely have a candidate going for mayor this year. We don't. Have, our filing deadline is not until July. So um, once the. Democratic primary is over and we are able to get back on the ballot. uh, We will definitely start looking for um, candidates for mayor. Uh, And you can check out our process for that at BaltimoreGreens.com, I believe. Um, Maybe it's .org. I always get them confused. But um, we'll put the website into the link there, but um, you know, we were in a process where we our members get to vote. We have to have our own primary. The state of Maryland doesn't pay for us to do it, and so we have to do the outreach to each registered green in the city and say, hey, you get to vote for these folks. Uh, so we'll be doing that in July of this year, and we expect to have a mayoral candidate that is up there uh, presenting our platform of values.
0: Um, do you, for the, for the folks, do you have any events coming up that they could, possibly go to i know you had an event um you know i'm gonna throw off dates maybe a month or two ago here at the function mm-hmm. and it was a green party function I saw that I just saw online um do you guys have any functions for people to just so they can associate maybe to say you want to stop by drop by and see what it's all about and see if that's what you know their, their cup of tea
1: yeah sure our net um our next Membership meeting, I believe, is February the 2nd or February the fir- 4th. The first Sunday in February um, will be our next membership meeting. Um, and that will likely be here at Function. Um, but we can, uh, you know, we can definitely update on it. But you can follow our Facebook page, Baltimore City Green Party, and we'll have all of our events up there. Um, and, you know, we'll, we, it's a business meeting, but we'll also make sure that there's an opportunity for folks to get oriented and get involved.
0: That's a beautiful thing, that's a beautiful thing. Do you think that the Democrats and Republicans and Greens can you all get, get along and make things happen?
1: We have to. Um, there's no choice, as we go into this next decade, uh, we're either going to go into, a, we're going to either come out of it, we're a place where people are empowered in order to shape the world the way that they need it to be, or we're gonna come out of it on a pathway to doom and destruction that we can't get out of, so. Um, I don't know if we, it doesn't feel very optimistic right now, but we have to be able to figure out how to work together across party lines in order to make sure that we're doing what's best uh, from our block to our planet.
0: And as far as, I know there's been a lot of federal things of rollbacks of the environment and emissions, and I know Hogan's been fighting against that all. He's been with the environmental. Um, What do you see as far as environment going forward for the planet, you know, just from the green perspective?
1: You know, uh, this decade is going to make that determination. Uh, And we, you know, people said there were 12 years left. Well, that was two years ago at this point. Uh, So in the next 10 years, we have to decide whether we're going to be in a planet that is going to allow poor people around the world to die so that the rest of us can drive fancy cars, or uh, whether we're going to work together in order to make sure that we you know, save the ability for humans to live. Um, And I think it's not just humans that are living, it's not just the climate problem, it is the mass species die off that is going on right now. And as we sit and watch, there's a great number of species that will never exist again. And so we have to get this ecological ethic this decade or probably we're out of time.
0: Hey, I appreciate everything. Is there any last things you want to say to the audience um, going forward or because I, I would like to bring you back on and um, have your candidate on here actually
1: absolutely so um thank i mean just thank you very much for the opportunity to do this Uh, we will have candidates coming up for a city council district for um president of the city council and for mayor and you know uh, come july we'll know who those folks are and all we ask is that people make sure they know the options they have when they go to the ballot box in November and that they don't believe what people tell them that only the primary matters in Baltimore. Because if we start believing that way, we'll make that a reality. But if we start believing that we have the power in order to demand better and to make a better world, then we actually can use that. And voting is just one of the ways to do it, but it's an important way to do it.
0: What are some ways so that people can um, follow you? I know you have an active Twitter account. I don't know if I, you want to give that out or.
1: Sure, you can follow me on Twitter at be more connected, um, be yeah, as it sounds, be more connected, um, and then you can follow me on Facebook at. Uh, at andy ellis there's a page uh, there that is mostly where my politics stuff is and then there's my personal page which is about chickens and uh gardening and things like that but if you want to follow the politics it's at andy ellis uh and if you want to follow me on um on twitter it's at be more connected
0: all right folks you heard it here first we're coming hot and heavy in 2020 um Buckle your seatbelt because this is going to be a wild ride as far as political, national, local everywhere. And I think people need to be educated and it's my job to get to educate that word out there and to my listeners. I mean, we may be I have my biggest group. One of my biggest groups is from California. So I know a lot of them listen to from California and other big groups from Pennsylvania and New York. So I just want people to get different perspective. It's only here in the Tea Party system, but there's, there's, some, there's something else out there for you. They're not talking to you. Yep. All right, folks. Have a good one. Peace, love, and happiness.